When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. City Show, and I've got uh, two guests here with me tonight. It's Steve Cox standing in for Nigel Rothband, and I have Stephen Allwise, and I have Rob Barron, CTID. Good evening, gentlemen. Hi, Steve. Hello, Stephen. Good to be with you. So um, that's it now for the international break, isn't it? I mean, we've just started the season, and the most annoying thing in the world happens. You build up a little bit of momentum. You win four games out of four. You're sitting pretty at the stop top of the premiership, um, other teams around you, everybody else has dropped some points somewhere along the line, and then they decide to have an international break. What's that all about? Stephen, I mean, help me out here. Why? 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 It's just such a stop-start beginning to the season. It feels like after, you know, last season was obviously very disrupted with the World Cup and everything finished later, and, you know, we were back late uh, to pre-season because we went all the way in, uh, the Champions League. So yeah, four games in. Normally we start the season quite slowly. Um, it's been um, nice for a change to see us win our first four. I don't think we've played at our best, to be honest. Um, but to get the wins on the board early is is key. And now, you know, we've got a few niggles in the squad, a few players missing. So hopefully we'll see some of them return in a couple of weeks after the break. So Rob, what um, what are your thoughts on the start to the season what, and, and the new boys, particularly the new boys that we've brought in. What, what's your opinion on those? What, where, where are we at? Well, uh, I thought City were awful in the first half on Saturday. They were sloppy. They gave the ball away. And uh, that was very disappointing. But the second half was much better. Uh, and so I don't really have a problem with the international break because I think, as Stephen says, we've been slow to get going, and this will give us uh, time to catch up, if you like. Um, as far as the the new uh, players are concerned, um, it's 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 too soon to know. But I mean, that City supporters are pretty pretty disappointing sometimes. The, the crowd on Saturday was waiting for City to do something rather than encouraging City to do something. And uh, Doku, who, who looks a really good and exciting player, um, uh, you know, there were grumbles at him for giving the ball away, although I think he made a, 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 a very good start. For me, um, just departing from what you were saying, the outstanding player on Saturday was Phil Foden. Uh, 
I thought he was magnificent. He didn't get the credit that he deserved. And But if you talk about new players, the cameo performance to beat all others was Oscar Bob when he came on towards the end. And he was fabulous, very exciting, and I can't wait uh, to see him again. He's, he's a player that I've watched on numerous occasions for the under-19s and the EDS, and I really like him. Plus, I love the sound Bob. It just makes me think of Blackadder, Oscar Bob. And I think it needs to be pronounced in exactly that way to get the full effect out of it. I agree, actually, with both of you in that we haven't particularly started any game at any particular tempo. I think the best game for us so far was probably the Newcastle game, to be honest with you, because they were potentially going to be the bigger challenge of the four opponents we've faced so far. But that said, big warning to the Premier League, if we haven't been playing particularly well, we're four games in, four out of four, is not a bad start, given the fact that there's you know, room for improvement, potentially. Yeah. Actually, a lot of room for improvement. Um, Steve, so what was your overall thoughts on the game at the weekend? You kind of covered off a couple of the little bits so far about the performance, the general performance that we have, but uh, what were your thoughts about the, the wider kind of game and how it played out? Yeah, I think, I mean, if we look at the the first four games as a whole, what we were saying with, you know, not playing brilliantly, but managing to to get the wins, we've probably been quite fortunate in a sense with the fixtures we've had. We've had two of the promoted teams in Burnley and Sheffield United. And we've had, um, you know, Fulham at home is a game that we should win. And historically, we've been winning been quite good at Newcastle especially coming just a couple of days after the Super Cup final that was the the only real challenge on paper you'd have thought was quite tricky and we came through that so I think we'll we'll find our feet um you know Pep's clearly tweaking a few things new players are, are just getting to grips at times we've seen Walker quite high up on the right whereas last season he tended to stay back as one of the three defenders you know, Foden, as as Rob said, was um, excellent at the weekend. He's been a lot more involved, obviously, with De Bruyne being out. You know, we've looked towards him for that creativity. Um, and Haaland does what Haaland does, which is not really touch the ball and then score a hat-trick. So, yeah, we're, we're doing all right. We're in decent shape. So, um, Rob, you were talking about Foden, but another player that I've noticed, actually, over the last couple of games that seems to be building themselves more into a city career at the minute is is um alvarez uh, yes. he looks looks to be making a bit more more of a uh, the positioning that he's been given and making use of the fact that de bruyne has not been around what what are your thoughts on him i mean uh, you look at other teams and then you look at harland and alvarez and you think yeah this is where we have advantage because they they're top of the range players whereas other teams are struggling a bit in that respect. I mean, he's very understated, uh, Alvarez, and the challenge is to be able to find a way of him fitting in with Haaland as well. You know, they're not, they're not alternatives, although they might be. And I, I think um, he wasn't particularly good on Saturday, but when he gets the opportunity, he, he, uh, he, he strikes magnificently. He's a team player. He doesn't fuss, and he's highly productive. He, he, I think once or twice on Saturday, he lost the ball in, in circumstances where that was not, not a good thing. But generally, he keeps the ball, and some of the filigree of City's play in the second half 
was wonderful, you know, thrilling to watch. So on Saturday, we scored a goal. Great. After a sloppy start, really, to be quite honest with you, a very slow start. And then Fulham more or less get a corner off of a City mistake. The ball comes into the box. It's a very good save by Edison, actually. I can't fault Edison. It's not his fault that they scored from it because he parried the ball away. There was nowhere else I think he could have parried it that would have made much of a difference to it, to be honest with him. They have someone in the right place at the right time. So we get through that and it's one all. And then we have the controversy to end all controversies just before half time, where Akanji heads the ball towards goal and not you know, Ake heads the ball towards goal, sorry. And Akanji is in an offside position. And the question then becomes, is he or isn't he interfering with play? So, Stephen, is he or isn't he interfering with play? <laughs> yeah, I, of course he was. And I think you have to be pretty blue-eyed to suggest that he wasn't. Um, it, it's one of those that I, I can't quite understand why it was allowed to stand. Obviously, we were thrilled it was. And, and I think from that moment on, the game or the result of the game was pretty much a foregone conclusion. Um, you could almost visibly see Fulham's heads drop. It it just should be disallowed. And I know a lot of City fans will point out about the Rashford goal in the derby last season where, you know, I think it was agreed by everybody, not just City fans, but everyone, including Howard Webb, who came out afterwards and basically said they made the wrong decision for that Rashford call. Um, that, you know, you can't justify the City goal by that, it, it should have been offside. Um, we got very fortunate, you know, it was pretty clear that Akanji was, if he didn't touch the ball, he was interfering with the keeper who couldn't maybe dive until the ball had passed Akanji. So, yeah, we, we got away with one. Um, I think that's, hopefully, <laughs> City fans are all realistic enough to, to appreciate that on this occasion. I think people will probably, detractors from City would say that we got away with it because it was City. I'd actually say that we got away with it and we've equally not gotten away with it on other occasions and other circumstances. I think it goes around one of those laws that I don't like, that Nigel quite often likes to quote the beginning of, where it says, if in the opinion of the referee. And actually, for me, offside should be binary. It shouldn't be if in the opinion of the referee is interfering with play. It should be, you know what, he's in front of the goal. Someone's got to make a decision about what they do about him. He might not have necessarily gone towards the ball. He seemed to flick his leg up almost as it had gone past. But for me, that is, if, if you're there and you're not interfering with play, what are you doing? I mean, anyone who says that City have benefited uh, from VAR simply doesn't watch enough City games. And uh, I, I, I've got a couple of things to say about this. One is that if the Rashford goal counted, then what we scored on Saturday counts. And uh, uh, the referees, the law, I've looked at the law, the FIFA Law 11, it's, it doesn't help you at all because it's it it doesn't uh, it doesn't go into detail. It's about judgments, as, uh, as you say. The other thing was, I mean, what a great person Erling Haaland is, because he came out straight after the game and said that if he'd have been a Fulham player, 
he would have been very sore about this and he thought they were badly treated. Now, he didn't need to say that. I can remember Mike Summerby not uh, not apologising when a goal was given when the ball didn't even go in the net. And he came out afterwards, this is a long time ago, and he said, I find it difficult enough to score in reality. So when I get one that wasn't really a goal, I'm prepared to take it. Uh, Harlan's not like that, although they're two wonderful human beings. I'm not, uh, I'm not comparing them in that respect. But yeah, we were lucky. The rule needs sorting out. And I, I have sympathy for Marco Silva, who whinged, but not excessively, and therefore got away with it. I, th- I, th- I think, it, yes, he was right to whinge. I think he was right to say something. I think he can't necessarily say too much excessively at the moment because I think he's been clobbered with a couple of yellow cards recently. So I think he's having to be very careful with what he does and doesn't say. Breath of fresh air for me, Harland actually coming out and saying that. I think it, it's honest. It's um, I don't think directionally it changed the result. And I think people will look at it and say, oh, City won 5-1, so therefore it didn't make a difference. But the thing is, at the time, momentum, you know, Fulham had just got a goal back. Potentially that would have um, knocked the wind out of their sails a little bit and put the momentum back in, in our corner again. And, you know, I think there is something to be said for let's try and tidy up those rules. Used to be anybody between the last man and the goal was offside and that was it, end yeah. of. It didn't matter whether they were by the corner flag or anything like that. It was just they, they are interfering with play and they are they are therefore offside so um very interesting and it's caused an awful lot of conversation since then steve could i just make this point that the best goal of the game was the fifth one which was a wonderful goal by harland sergio gomez who is constantly derided by city fans he played a critical part in it with his speed and skill uh, and yet 20% of the Etihad had already gone home by that point and uh, they missed an absolute treat. It was that, yes, it was. I mean, he he is a really good player. He hasn't had, for me, enough game time in the first 11 to really get the best out of him. I'm wondering if he's one of those players, if he starts to pick up regular minutes, he'll actually meld himself into the team. I just think he, he's... He's playing in a position that is not his usual one. So if he plays for Spain under 21s, I think he's a right winger. You know, attacking talent, good on the ball, happy to take on a man. You know, a bit like Mares in the sense of left footer players on the right generally will cut back in. And and we play him as this kind of Zinchenko Delph role of left back who pops into central midfield. And he can't defend. You know, he, he's not a natural defender and every time a winger goes at him, he's, he's all over the place. So, you know, he's defensively um, very weak and he's a liability when he plays there and, and we have to defend. But I think it's pretty clear his quality on the ball is really good. So the fact that when he came on at the weekend, he was playing left wing, you know, a more natural position, able to get on the ball, get to the byline, you know, took out, weaved in between a couple of men, that's... We've not seen a lot of that because that's not the role he's playing in the team. Um, and it may not be the role that he plays moving forwards because if you think wingers-wise, we've got Grealish, Doku, Bernardo, Foden, we're probably not going to see him that often. But he did himself no harm at all with, with that cameo. And perhaps that's opened up the way to the team because we are going to need to rotate 
in those positions and and actually we have better defensive op options available you know we've seen Akanji Ake Vardiol playing left back recently Walker yeah. pretty much nailed on for right back although be interesting to see what happens when Stones comes back for injury and how Pep manages all that dynamic because I'm I'm not you can't play four central defenders all of the time as much as he probably likes well, to. St Stones is the one I think we've probably missed more than anyone else because we don't have another defender who can play that role. I think Rico Lewis is quite good. Yeah. When he plays left back or or right back into midfield, Stones obviously has more of the physical presence. Um yeah. You know, just bigger, stronger. Akanji, I don't think, is good enough on the ball in those tight spaces to play in that position. So I think we've missed Stones a lot. And imagine, you know, we were saying this at the start of last season, you could never have imagined Stones occupying this like, hybrid role. Um, but he's been brilliant and we've missed him. But we're trying to find a way around that. And the way around at the minute seems to be Walker playing further forward, as a de facto right winger and then Foden more in the middle or Bernardo in the middle. So Pep's tweaking it, but um, I think, as I said before, that's where the international break, break might just help us with a couple of those bodies coming back. I, I actually feel quite sorry for Stones because I think he was just starting to build up some momentum in that position and Pep's criticism of him was... The only criticism he had of him was the fact that he wasn't quite so good when he was facing goal and receiving the ball. He was very good at bringing the ball out and deciding where the ball needed to go to. But he was struggling with that. And I think he was just starting to add that to, to his kind of game plan. So I want to change direction ever so slightly now. There was a question from Kim on X. I can't get used to calling Twitter X. I really can't. It just does my, does my head in. And was asking who we think will be the main rival now for the Premiership because... Um, you know, the game between Arsenal and Man United yesterday was uh, two big rivals facing off against each other. We've had Liverpool versus Newcastle facing off against each other. So what, in your opinion, Rob, who do you think is our big challenger? And do you think it's more than one? And So I think uh, looking at yesterday's game, uh, where the Arsenal fans were cheering as if they'd won the Premier League already in September, they clearly think that they're they're going to win it, and I, you know, we'll have to see. But they they've got really good players, and um, Odegaard was magnificent yesterday. And the the uh, the guy from West Ham, uh, he he was superb Price. as well. Yeah. Uh, so I I don't think you can discount them. What a goal from Jesus! I mean, I don't think he's ever scored against United, but he certainly scored a wonderful goal. And Liverpool, for me, are the other team um, who uh, underperformed drastically last year but seem to have made good investments in midfield and uh, have erratic but powerful striking capacity. So I'm, so I'm still I'm still unsure, Rob, how Arsenal actually won that game yesterday <laughs> because actually up until extra time, United came incredibly close to winning it yeah, Arsenal didn't really convince me that they were that far ahead that they should have won it. I mean, congratulations to them and the fact that they kept at it and they did manage to get two injury time goals to win it. But it doesn't convince me about them. 
No, and can I just say finally that you shouldn't write off United. I know that um, you know there's there's trouble over Sancho and the midfield is full of elderly people, as is the defence. We we know that. This this guy from Denmark can play. I mean, he was really exciting when he came on, and he's going to be interesting to see how how he develops. Hoyland, uh, he he's good for the Premier League, I think. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see whether he can make up for the deficits that they've got elsewhere. There's all I score. There's no way United are a serious challenger. Um, it's a strange project because Ten Hag seems to be quite a strong character. You know, he had the battle with Ronaldo and, and won that. He's had battles with other players and, you know, he comes out with authority, but then you watch their football and it, it doesn't, he doesn't seem to have improved them. They don't really have a philosophy like a lot of the other big clubs do. Um, you know, they'll get wins because they're a good team, but they're not a very good team and they're definitely not a great team. And I, I just don't see them as a serious rival. I think Arsenal... Last season was the season of their lives. The first half of the season, I think the first 19 games, they won 17, drew one, and they still fell, what, 10 points short of us in the end? Like, you can't continue that record. And I'm not sure they've strengthened. I think Declan Rice is obviously a very good player. I'm not sure what Havertz does for them. Mm-hmm. Timber, the new left-backs, now out for the, for the season. So I'm not sure they've necessarily strengthened enough to catch us. Um, I agree with what Rob said about Liverpool. I, I think they could be dangerous again. They've just had an off year when, you know, from probably 10 games in, they realise they're not going to challenge and then, you know, your standards naturally drop. But they're really dangerous and they've managed to win a couple of games from positions that you didn't think they would. Um, coming back with 10 men against Newcastle, um, they've bought well in midfield. They're dangerous in attack. I, I think we should still be too strong for them, but I think they'll probably push us closer than other teams they, they are um the one that i think about when i look at the, the depth of challenge for two reasons the first thing is they have won something before so they know how to win and they've still got a nucleus of a team that can do that and then for the other reasons you say they know how to win when the chips are down there's a bit more guts about them and i, I just don't quite see that in arsenal yet i'm, I'm not i don't think they're quite there and i'm, I'm not sure that I think Arteta is convinced that they're there, but I still think they're they're lacking somewhat. Um, United, I think, is very interesting when when you think about them. I try not to think about them too much, but you look at the pattern. We get a ball manager. They go out to Poundland and buy a ball manager. We get somebody called Haaland. They get someone who's also from of Danish origin called Hoyland. Um, it's almost like they're, they're, there's there's an attempt to copy, but I don't think they've actually got the structure in place to do it. I don't think they really know what they're trying to do. A bit like Chelsea, to be honest with you. Chelsea at the moment look to me as though they've gone out, they've had this massive budget, they've bought loads of players. They've got no idea how to put them together. And the other one we've not mentioned is Spurs, who, you know, new man, it'd be unbelievable if even they challenge. Having lost Kane, who is a sensational player and the source of so many of their goals and assists to lose him and not replace him with a, another direct striker. Um, but you can just sense from chatting to Spurs fans or seeing their comments, there's an optimism and a sort of renewed energy around the club with the new manager. 
playing a style of football that I think the fans want to get behind. Um, Madison at 40 million, I think, is one of the signings of the season. When you think he has gone for 40 and we sold Cole Palmer for 45, um, you know, and the difference in how established the you know how established they both are in the Premier League and international caps. Um, I think he's a brilliant addition, but again, it'd be such a huge leap to go from challenging for the top four to challenging for the league that I think it will take another year or two. But you, know, you can again, you can see that philosophy. You can see what the manager's trying to do there. It needs. It, it, it's almost as though the Spurs fans need to learn what patience is and accept the fact that it's probably a project that's not going to be a one-year turnaround. And, you know, I, I like this centre-forward they've signed. I realise he's not he's not Harry Kane, but he, he's really exciting. And uh, if he goes on a run, he could score quite a lot of goals. Uh, John, Johnson. Yeah, I think if they, they can be capable of putting a run of games together, and I think that's really what you're trying to do at this time of year. You're just trying to build a bit of momentum. And, and you know, it'd be interesting to see when we get 10, 15 games in to see whether the, the makeup is still very similar to where it is now with the teams in similar positions to where it is now, whether Chelsea have actually worked out what 11 they really want to put on the pitch and how much they're going to... I mean, it does prove you just can't spend money willy-nilly and make a team out of it, and which just surprises me that Poch is, is actually letting them do that because he always seemed like quite a grounded manager to me but um, I guess he's probably been out in the PSG wilderness for quite some time and got used to their way but if, of doing if, things. if you look at just because you mentioned Chelsea and money and, and we mentioned about Madison and prices before yeah. we've got Kovacic for yeah. 20 odd million 25 million he's a guy who's won the Champions League three times and proven Premier League ready which mm -hmm. I think I know we all want to sign young players and see them at City and see them develop and come through for many years I think this summer, because of selling Gundogan, and in you know in time, Mares went, Laporte went. That we know, I think we needed someone who could just come into that midfield yeah. and play a part immediately, and not, you know, we all know what Pep's like with new signings, and he takes a year to kind of get them in and get them out, and just get them used to that, the way we play, and, and his very particular demands. I think Kovacic has just come in and, and hit the ground running and he look, he's a different player to Gundogan. He's probably not going to score as many goals. He doesn't end up in the the box as often. But his, I think his skill is carrying the ball and getting out of tight situations and I think maybe we just needed a bit more of that. So, you know, again, it's a sign that, yes, of course, we spend money. We spent a fortune on Vardiol, but we'll hopefully have him for the next seven, eight years. And we've spent a lot of money on Doku and he's got ability, but we're able to sign these players like Kovacic who just come in, hit the ground running and make an impact straight away. Do, do well, you think well, it's actually funded? Sorry, Rob, go on. I mean, I think Stephen is right as always. Um, but what he doesn't mention, and we, uh, Kovacic has had a wonderful start. He's much more skillful than, than I ever saw uh, him play at, at Chelsea, which is interesting. Uh, but Phillips is the conundrum here. You know, 40 million quid, a very fine player, came on, played very well on Saturday, and he can't get a game. And yet Rod Rodri's talking about being overplayed and being tired. What what does that say about, about us? But it says that Pep does not rate Phillips in the slightest. I think it's hard because 
you watched him when he was at Leeds, you watch him when he plays for England. He looks like a really good player. He there must just be something in training that has made Pep think he can't even risk him in the games. It was really damning. I think it was the FA Cup semi-final last season against Sheffield United when it was sandwiched, maybe it was between Champions League games or big Premier League games. I can't remember exactly what, but three quarters of our team were rested. And it was Gundogan who played holding midfield and Phillips was on the bench. Pep just does not play him until we're 4-0 up with 10 minutes to go and then he'll give Rodri a rest. And it's not like some players, he in their first years, he puts them in for a few games, takes them out, you know, eases them in. A bit like Grealish in his first year was okay. And then second year, he was our best player, I think, the second half of the season. Phillips was never given that chance because he must just not grasp what Pep wants in that role. So I would love to see him succeed. He seems a really nice guy from all the videos you watch. But, you know, there's not smoke without fire. It looks like we were trying to get rid of him and, you know, maybe exchange him for Packeter when we were speaking with West Ham or... Liverpool have been linked with him. Spurs have been linked with him. It it, it doesn't look good if you're um, hoping to get many more minutes this season from his sake. just doesn't seem to click, does it? And I think with Pep, it's all about trust, doesn't it? You looked last year, we spent, what, maybe 15 million on Akanji and Akanji seemed to slot in straight away and was trusted, not just in the position that we bought him for, but other positions as well, mm. because he had that natural footballing brain. And I'm wondering whether Phillips just doesn't have that footballing brain to be able to adapt to what Pep's asking him to do, whereas there must be a chasm between him and Rodri. I mean, Rodri is probably the best player in that position in the world right now um, and seems to have that nailed down. And why would you substitute that with someone you don't trust to do it? So, Rob, um, Cole Palmer has gone and he's gone to Chelsea. Yeah. 40 million plus. Yeah. Well, I'm very, very sorry. I thought he was a wonderful young talent who I love to watch. Uh, I I do understand that uh, what they got for him was probably double what I would have taken. So uh, what do I know about these things? And uh, when you see players like uh, Bob and um, uh, Doku come in, then there are other people around uh, of similar skills. It's just I'm very sorry that that kind of player isn't nurtured at City anymore. Uh, but you can't argue with the facts that uh, they've made 400 million quid out of uh, the academy. Um, you know, no other club in, in the country or probably the world has made that amount of money. And mostly it's been sound decisions. I think so I, I, I have go, no regrets. I have no regrets at losing Sterling, although he's been playing well, or Jesus, for that matter. Um, I think we've probably bought better players. But I just, uh, I'm a romantic, and Palmer uh, has had some sublime moments. Not enough of them, probably. I, it's a tricky one. I, I'm kind of on the fence, because you can see the talent he has. We, As Rob just said at the end, we haven't seen a lot of it. And the reality is he hasn't started a meaningful game for us. He, did, you know, he played a couple in the league last season when the title was already won. You know, Pep didn't play him when it mattered. He played him in a few Carabao Cup games. 
but you can see the skill and he, he loves to take on a man and get a shot away and you, you just wonder in the right environment and I'm not sure Chelsea is that for him given their squad and the fact he probably wants to be playing every week but in the right squad the right manager the right backing he could be a really dangerous player he was never going to get that game time with us the frustration is having lost Mares. was it a chance to give him a few more games this season it might be that Bernardo is still your first choice right winger and Foden can play there but you know could Palmer have got 10 starts in the Premier League plus a few cut games and and gone from there but then you're getting 45 million for someone who might be good might not be hasn't really played a lot it's really hard to turn that down especially if he wants to go yeah and I think that that might be it it might be he's not happy with 10 league games a year and a few cup games and he doesn't feel that's going to develop him enough and it, it it does seem that we're also bringing through players now that are capable of playing for most teams in the premiership whether they'll actually get enough game time at City when they're trying to get ahead of the likes of Silva and Foden and De Bruyne and Haaland and Alvarez is, is are they actually going to get there and that you know you look at that and you see who's Pep got to choose in that position you look at it and think well what what are you going to go for? And and we're fighting now on all fronts this year if we're going to do anything. You know, I think the players themselves are saying. And Walker came out the other day and said that he said to some of his uh, the teammates, you know, why are we always playing catch up? We need to be leading from the front like we did in 2017-18, and we want to be fighting on all fronts. So you know, we want to do a quadruple, and no one's ever done that before. So if you're fighting on that front, you need that depth. But you you also think if we really wanted Palmer to stay we wouldn't have let him go. And, it, and it's different with Walker and um, Bernardo because they're first-team regulars. But, you know, we know what Pep said before. If if you want to leave, you leave. If a club comes in with an offer and we accept, you can go. But actually, when it came to it for Bernardo and Walker, he couldn't afford to lose that experience. But you just think if he'd have really fought for Palmer and wanted him to stay, we could have rejected that bid. Um, but he's gone. Good luck to him. You, you want to see him develop. Yeah. Um, but I think we'll be fine without him. I'd There's like a certain irony, isn't there, that uh, uh, Palmer was sold for £45 million and Colin Bell was bought for £45,000. Yes. <laughs> and on that note, our next fixture is the 16th of September, away to West Ham, as I understand it. We've got nothing between now and then, so that literal international break. I'm going to be suffering. I am really. I'm going to be sitting around twiddling my fingers at the weekend. Um, I'd like to thank both of my guests, Stephen Allweiss, Rob Behrens. This is Steve Cox for the Man City Pod Show. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.